How we doing? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert, and today I am joined by special guest Deuce Crypto, a community member for Zen Sports and a longtime member of the Splinterlands community, Magic the Gathering, uh, football fan, and overall just crypto extraordinaire, in my opinion. Deuce, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, uh, you know, really excited about all the uh, all the great news that we're hearing from Splinterlands, and so uh, I'm excited to be back here and talk with you about it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, last time when we had you on, we talked a lot about Magic: The Gathering, which is great. That's great. But this time, I really wanted us to hone in a little bit more on Splinterlands, as uh, we we have some exciting news here at Zen Sports. As we just announced yesterday, we've got the Zen Sportsians and Emperors, uh, a modern splinterlands brawl coming up here uh, on october 1st so lots of exciting stuff happening for splinterlands lots of exciting stuff happening for zen sports but this is not about that right now first of all how have you survived the nft and crypto winner in the past like six to eight months here because it's been brutal for tons of people and i, I i've, I've got to say i've been curious how have you been surviving it well uh Luckily, I, you know, I haven't had any plans to, uh, you know, live off my interest or, or you know, uh, make use of the profits. And so really, uh, I've been reinvesting, um, you know, uh, through my different, uh, you know, interest earning accounts or award bearing mm-hmm. accounts. And, uh, you know, as long as you don't sell in the bear market, you're not really out any money. So I, I'm confident that, uh, you know, given nine months or wait till the next having in, in, you know, another year and a half. But, uh, you know, I'm confident that uh, values will come up. So I'm not panicking too much. You know, again, uh, I'm investing with with funds that, uh, you know, I don't need to survive, which yeah. is always nice. And so as long as you're doing that, as long as, uh, you know, you have a safety net for yourself, you're not going all in. Uh, I, I think I think things are okay. I mean, certainly some of the overall prices are down, but for me that just means better buying opportunities. So you know, I've been able to take advantage of some of that. See, you know, not everyone shares the same optimism, Deuce. I'm I'm sorry to say, and there's always going to be naysayers, right? But uh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you're optimistic, positive, and also smart about when it you know. You, what you're holding and, and what you're doing right now in terms of going, well, I don't need to sell particularly right now. So uh, it's not really going to affect you that much compared to, you know, if things were a lot more up and you were like, well, I could sell this and probably make a pretty penny off of uh, what I'd what I'd want, you know. But uh, anyways, putting that aside, I'm glad to hear that you're finding yourself comfortable putting your investments in a good spot and uh, you're feeling good. You're feeling good. And that that's 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 all that matters. I'm glad to hear that since we last talked, Deuce Crypto is, is flying high. In fact, yeah. I'm 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 seeing a, a mile high shirt there, a little Denver mm. Broncos representation. Uh f- you yeah. know, football does start tonight. So uh yeah. seems like you've got some faith there in the Denver Broncos this season. I'm pretty excited, you know, a uh, big upgraded quarterback, you know, last mm-hmm. year I thought one of the biggest problems is we couldn't reliably throw down field. People were packing the box. They couldn't run, but the defense is still strong. Going to return, I think like a top five defensive unit and uh, just the veteran presence that Russell Wilson offers, you know, to be able to lead the locker room. They really need 
a locker room leader. And I think more than just the talent he has on the field, his, his leadership abilities, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And, uh, you know, really some nice young weapons on the offense. You know, you got the, the young running back, uh, Javante Williams. You got a couple uh, young wide receivers in Judy and Sutton. So, uh, you know, this team's got a lot of potential. So I'm excited. You know, uh, I participate in a fantasy football league now, 16 years. It's uh, a dynasty league. I play with my uh, fellow undergrads from college. Yeah. And so we always draft the Wednesday before the season starts. Okay. So we don't worry about any waivers before week one. You really got to draft the team you want to play. Then we also don't have to worry about, you know, injuries during training camp or anything like that. So I really like it. You know, we're one of the last leagues to draft all the information's out on the table and uh, we hit the ground running, you know, in this league. Another one of the cool quirks we have about this league is that there's 12 teams, which is, is pretty typical. Yep. But we play a full 16 games. So similar to the old NFL schedule. And the way we do that is we actually have two double header weeks, which oh. sounds kind of wild, but it's actually really exciting. So. You know, we have two conferences of six teams. So you play everybody in your own conference twice, mm-hmm. 10 games. And then everybody in the other conference won six games. That gives you a total of 16. So a nice, well-rounded NFL schedule. We get that done and finished by week 14. So that means two okay. extra two extra doubleheader weeks. And then we do our playoffs 15, 16, 17. So week one is always a double header week two. So we jump right out of the gate to non-conference matchups. You're playing someone out of your conference uh, in both of those games. And so it's always a really exciting time because uh, you're playing with the team you drafted. You know, there's no, there's no panicking. There's no moving around. They're you know, yeah. drafting these injured guys and grabbing someone from the wires. None of that. So, you know, not only are you drafting for the season, but you'll see some teams prioritize maybe some weaker schedules a little bit further up the draft just to, you know, draft people for that week one doubleheader, which I think is, uh, again, a, a fun, peculiar work of our league. Yeah, that's certainly, uh, like you said, a way to hit the ground running. I mean, that's I've never heard of that personally myself, but it sounds like y'all got that under lock and key and have kind of figured it out for yourself. So that sounds amazing. And uh, I know you posted that list in our Discord server, uh, I believe later yesterday or earlier today. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, 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 wasn't a bad look. Yeah, wasn't a bad looking list, I got to say. So it's, you know, uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll see how bullish. it turns out. Yeah. Bullish, you know, going into the draft, I had a pretty weak team. You know, we were allowed uh, two keepers yep. uh, that have like three year contracts. And then we're allowed a third keeper that's either a rookie or second year player. Okay. And so, um, you know, my keepers coming out of last season, I lost Mahomes. Uh, his contract was up. Oh. Um, I still had uh, Tyreek Hill, and then sure. my my running back situation was kind of a mess. I kept Miles Sanders, so he wasn't a great person to be keeping. You know, when you think about like a first two round pick, you know, really not an ideal keeper. Uh, but, uh, I made up for that with being able to keep Javante Williams as, as my rookie. So that's pretty nice. That's uh, pretty nice. Yeah. Um, you know, I was able to get good value for running backs in the first couple of rounds with Joe Mixon and Cam Akers, uh, got Kyler Murray quarterback paired him with Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm excited. That's a, like a nice, nice core of the team right there. One through six. 
Um, you know, picked up Henry Hunter at tight end, my Broncos defense. Um, and I got the Broncos tight end as, as my backup. I got oh, the, yeah. the young kid on San Francisco, Trey Lance. I'm very excited to see what he can do with the full season. Um, you know, some, some really great weapons in San Francisco. So I'm bullish on him. We'll, we'll see how this season turns out, but you know, uh, that's basically the, the core of my roster. I got a couple running back handcuffs. I got, uh, Brandon Ayuk to, to pair with, uh, Trey Lance off my bench. So, you know, we'll see, but, uh, you know, certainly feel a lot better about this roster than I have in my past couple of years. It's been a little rough. Well, hey, I wish you luck, and uh, hopefully we get you back on in the future here and and, and see how that's gone. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping I have some uh, good things to share uh, come come October. For sure, for sure. Well, speaking of good things coming in October, Splinterlands has a lot coming up here. They've been they've been hosting town halls so much lately, and I know you're you're a big advocate for hopping into those town halls, taking a listen. And so, you know, they've been popping off. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I, I see what they're doing. They've made some great partnerships. They've got some great events announced coming up. You know, does this affect you as a avid player and community member in Splinterlands? And would you say a, a pretty positive way? It sounds like a silly question, but sometimes when things get busy, uh, you never know if quality goes down in one area or another. And so, you know, has this been a positive experience so far for Splinterlands to be doing so much for the community, but at the same time, is it is it too much overall? I, you know, that's I guess. Let's start there. Let's deep dive a little bit into uh, sure. what they're, what they're I doing. I think a lot of the most recent changes have been really good for the community. You know, there was some worry around mid July. You know, there was uh, the ending of the SPS airdrop. The SPS. Yes, is I remember like that. The, uh, the governance token for the game. It's also uh, you know the token that's a little bit more uh, variable in value. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the other game token, which is the Dark Energy Crystals, the DEC, which uh, which the company wants to be more of like a, a stable coin, you know, pegged to a fixed value. Gotcha. But what I like about SPS, one, they've replaced the Dark Energy Crystals with SPS as far as all in-game rewards. Oh, sweet. So the rewards you get from winning a battle, the rewards you get from your daily quests, the rewards you get from your... Uh, well, not daily quests, but I guess daily focuses now, and the awards you get at the end of the season are all given out in SPS now. And that is, I guess, to replace kind of the open faucet where we were getting SPS given every day. Mm-hmm. But what I like about that is that, you know, the governance of the game, you know, the different proposals and initiatives, both proposed by the Splinterland staff and by us, the community, uh, is, is now basically in our hands to, to vote on. And so... You know, when we see changes in the game, when management sees changes in the games, you know, now it's not on them to just, you know, go and do something. Now they, you know, put it to a vote. Basically, uh, everybody's vote is equal to your staked share of these SPS tokens. And so people really now have a voice equal to their, you know, their investment in this game, in, in these tokens. So. I think that's a, a great way to, to kind of manage the game and, uh, you know, uh, manage the improvements that are coming. So that's just one of, you know, many new changes that Splinterlands has put in over the past month or so that I think really is uh, going to be great value to its players. Now, is that voting system, does it, does it 
is it weighted voting based on how much you have staked or is it just everyone has a has an even vote i'm curious because you know let's say i was to get into it right and i wouldn't have very much staked the very beginning as opposed to someone uh that i would claim to be like a a whale in the splinterland space you know uh what what's that kind of look like in terms of sps staking does it matter i mean i yeah. i assume it probably does but yeah for sure yeah everything is proportional so you know you got more skin in the game you got uh you got more voice and so I think that's just one of the many use cases for these SPS tokens. I mean, yeah. you know, that's one, one of the value drivers is you, you want to have a say in the game, stake those tokens. So, um, but I, again, I, I think that's good for the game. I think, you know, you want your bigger shareholders to, to, have, to have more of an opinion. Now, obviously, um, you know, can people take advantage of that? Sure. You know, there, there is a, a chance for that. But, you know, that's just part of being, a, you know, a decentralized game and, you know, leaving it to the proposals and, you know, leaving it to uh, the governance that we have in place. And so, you know, I trust between the, the DAO, the SPS DAO that was set up by the game to kind of manage the game's SPS account and, and you know, just the... Uh, decentralized manner of how the tokens are distributed i think i think it bodes well for the community to uh have that available to us well said well said yeah well uh you know so i know you're big into splinterlands right and more specifically uh splinterlands has uh groups in inside of it called guilds uh this is you know not a uncommon term for a lot of gaming communities in order for people to right. come together and try to like basically get the glory and honor of being one of the best groups on on the platform and i have noticed uh the splinterlands guild has been placed quite quite uh fairly in a decent position near the top of the ladder uh and i i know you are a, a writer as well and and an editor uh and so i i know you recently published an article uh like literally, like I think yesterday or the yeah. day before, mm -hmm. uh, talking about the Splinterlands Guild. And so, what has that experience been like for you? And I guess what what does it entail and mean to be a part of this guild? Because I've looked into it a little bit, and it seems like you've you've got to pay to be a part of the guild just a little bit. Um, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and then uh, I guess the, what what benefit does it give to you to be a part of a guild in general rather than just a solo queue sure. player? I mean, for me, the the guild experience is one of, uh, I think, the big sellers of the game, one of the best parts of the game. And so, um, you know, right now, uh, the way guilds work is, you know, it's just a, a group of players. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really, you know, your closest friends, your, your, your community in the game. But where the guilds really come into play is twofold. Um, there are some benefits you get back from the guild. Uh, each guild has uh, five different buildings. And so when you talk about uh, a fee or a cost to join the guild, you know, it, it varies by guild. Okay. Some guilds have uh, corporate sponsors where, you know, the company that manages the guild, you know, puts in the DEC, the dark energy crystals to be able to upgrade some of these buildings. And as the buildings get upgraded, they provide more value. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the hall kind of controls how many people you can have in your guild Okay. and, uh, the rate of return of your prizes from competing in brawls. 
then you have uh, your arena, which controls what tier level you are able to brawl in. So there's different tiers, one through five, one being the lowest, five being the highest. Right now, obviously, the highest concentration is tier one. Uh, there's only, I think, 10 guilds in tier three. So, you know, some of the higher ranking guilds are in tier two, but really it's the upper echelon of, of Splinterland guilds that are up in tier three. Okay. Uh, there are barracks, which provide uh, certain uh, upgrades as far as when you play your brawl. So you can, you know, ban someone on the opposite team, ban a card on the opposite team. You can okay. get an extra mana for your battles. You can use your gladiator cards at varying league levels. And then finally, uh, there is your uh, lodge, which uh, has to do with rank play. Uh, but the lodge, uh, you know, allows you to finish your daily focuses and you get a discount, uh, I believe, when you buy uh, different potions and things from uh, the store. And then there's actually uh, a store where you buy different gladiator cases, and this is to get the gladiator cards and potions. So those are the buildings. Those buildings require, again, the dark energy crystals, the in-game currency to upgrade those buildings for varying uh, rewards. Um, and, and But um, where the brawling comes in where the guild competition really is or are these brawls that happen once every five days on, the, on a little bit of a cycle and what it does is it pairs you randomly against nine other guilds in your tier and you have different leagues different uh, uh formats we have wild and modern so you have two different formats we have four different leagues bronze silver gold and and max yeah well, I guess there's also novice, so five different leagues. And so it's really interesting because you're playing against players in all the other guilds uh, at these different leagues. And so for me, that's some of the most com uh, most fun competition I look forward to. And obviously, uh, the, the daily focuses are fun. That's how you kind of earn rewards. But I, I love the competition of, of competing with my fellow guildmates, my, my teammates and my, my closest friends in the game. And so for me, even though right now um, we don't earn any SPS rewards for Brawl, those are, are coming soon, I believe in the next month or so. Mm -hmm. But uh, we still earn merits, which we can use again to buy uh, gladiator cases. We can use them to buy stones to upgrade our gladiator pack opens. So, you know, it's a really fun game inside of the game. And I think that's one of the things that Splinterlands really does so well is that, you know, there's so many different ways to play the game. There's so many different ways to compete. You can compete on your own with the uh, different rank rewards. You can compete in tournaments, you know, like uh, like the big event that you all are sponsoring October 1st. You know, there's, you know, you can compete on your own in a bracket versus just individual daily ranked battles. And then, like I said, there's the team aspect of the guild, which for me is it, it really is the most fun. It's the most fun. You get you build that camaraderie, you know, you fit in with your different teams, and so uh, you know, I'm really blessed to have uh, you know fallen in with some some really great guilds. Uh, I'm still with the original guild that I the first very first guild that I joined, which would be the uh, the 420 Syndicate. I mm -hmm. play in that guild with one of my uh, 
alternate accounts, Trey Crypto. And so it's a Trey place the 420 syndicate. My main account, Deuce Crypto, is with Shield of Glory. And they're, so they're one of the 10 guilds that's now actually battling in tier three. Okay. And and then uh, the account, my other alt account that I named after my partner, Shay, well, she, uh, or that guild account, is actually now one of the co-leaders of the Zen Sports Guild. And so uh, about a, a month ago, Jacob came in and uh, provided a, a pretty nice, uh, donation of DEC allowing us to upgrade our barracks so that we could uh, ban an opponent's card. We were able to upgrade our arena to level three, which allowed us to move to tier two. And we upgraded our hall, I believe, to level four. So now that we could add a few more players to our roster. And so, um, you know, I could say uh, our, our, our fellow guildmates in Zen Sports are really excited about this upgrade. You know, we've already increased our prizing over the past three weeks. Um, when the SPS rewards come in, we're going to be able to get a larger share of those SPS rewards for our ball participation. And I think ultimately it's really inspired some of these players to uh, buy and rent more cards to improve their decks so that they can perform better in brawls, which is, uh, you know, just a benefit to the, to the wider uh, Splinterlands economy. Absolutely. I mean, more and more people getting involved inside of the economy allows for more transactions to occur. More transactions occurring is is usually better for everyone. So mm-hmm. no complaints there. No complaints there. And I, yeah. I appreciate the insight there into the guild activities. I uh, Quite educational for me and I'm sure for other people watching this as well. So thank you. Okay, coming up the weekend of October 8th and 9th is Splinterfest 2022. It's being held at the HyperX Arena in, I want to say that's Vegas. Uh, yeah. So uh, are you going? At the Luxor. Oh, yeah. def- definitely. You know, uh, as someone who used to travel all the time for Magic the Gathering events, you know, yeah. I go to, you know, 20 pro, uh, Grand Prix in a, in a season, you know, I'm really excited for Splinterlands' first foray into, uh, you know, an IRL event and so well have they um, done an irl event like this before never no so this is gonna be the first time they've done it well they've certainly you know they've had booths at at different sure but like their own event though never held anything of their own so this is the first time they've ever done it okay and what i'm so excited about because i I think this will be not only a great way for players to engage in tournaments but also to to market the game on you know on a limited basis but they are holding ghost card tournament so what that means is that instead of uh, you you playing with the cards in your account which you know for most people is kind of bound by the money you're able to spend so most people don't have complete accounts so you know that puts you at a little bit of a competitive advantage against someone who maybe is a whale well these ghost card events may carry you know a higher buy-in to get into the event but once you're in the event Everybody has an identical card pool. Everybody, my my understanding is that everybody will have a max card card pool. So I I think maybe the events played at gold and not at max league, but everybody is going to have access to all the cards in modern for the modern tournament or all the cards in wild for the wild tournament. And so I think that is going to even the playing field, uh, uh, for some of, let's say, maybe uh, less well-off players who who may be more skilled than a whale who is 
maybe fallen back on their collection sure. that isn't as polished with some of the different strategies or you know some of the best counters and things like that. So I think you know while you'll, you're probably still going to see some you know household names who've been with the game from the beginning. Okay. I think you're going to see some new names pop up just because you know in this ghost card environment their talent is is really going to to speak the most. And so um, one uh, I'm really excited that we'll have full coverage. You know the HyperX Arena at the Luxor in Las Vegas is is made is built to be an esports arena. So it's built oh, yeah. for this. So we're going to have, you know, full coverage, we're going to have casters, we're going to be streaming, you know. So I think this is going to be a great way to get eyes on the game. And when people see the the type of prizes that are going to be available, I think that's going to encourage more people to get into uh, the competitive side of the game. And I know that, you know, the esports side has been a little bit slow to develop, but, you know, uh, really thankful to the support of Zen Sports and EMP Money for, you know, sponsoring these uh, higher stakes tournaments for us, you know, outside of, of just the tournaments that are offered in the game. And, and again, the more eyes that we can get on the game via streaming and, and you know, conventions like this and allowing the best talent to really shine through, I think will be good. Um, you know, some people have made some arguments about the ghost card tournament that it disincentivizes ownership, but I, I, I really don't think that that is more of a negative than the positive of, of showing what the game will look like when it's played at the highest level, when it's played with all the cards, because I think what will happen is you'll draw in players who maybe didn't have a collection and they'll say to themselves, well, I want to build this collection, you know? I want to acquire the cards. I'm not just going to wait around for the, you know, two or three ghost card events that they have, you know, every month, you know? And so yeah. I, I think it's going to be a great, great way to get new players in. And so I'm really excited about that. And then outside of those ghost card tournaments, you know, just being able to, to meet these names, you know, to put a face to a name, to, you know, hear people's different accents and, and, and uh, you know, meet players in your own guild, meet players oh, of, yeah. you know, these other guilds you've been battling against for months. I think that's going to be really exciting, too. And then and, and finally, there'll, there'll be a panel. So, you know, we'll hear from from different people around the staff. We'll hear from people who have just been involved in the game, some people who are building third, uh, you know, party uh apps and things that help the game run better but kind of outside of, of the specific game environment and hearing what they're doing with their technology uh, i think it's going to be a great time uh, i'm really looking forward to it you know i would argue that the ghost card tournaments are a way for the makers of the game to have the game fully flourish and and be played as it's meant to be played versus being behind a sort of play wall which is you know a paywall sorry not play wall um which I guess is also part of the game as well. Um, you know, I could see the the people being not as willing to to buy cards if they know that they can pay to then get into a ghost card tournament. But right. you know, having I think, like you said, the increased the increased entry fee to be able to play in, into a tournament like that, if there if that doesn't incentivize ownership for wanting to have those cards for future events, I don't know what does, right? I think there's 100%. definitely there's definitely a way to make it pay and and pay off for people who who do own these cards. And I would also say getting to experience cards that maybe you don't own or know about in a ghost card tournament 
I think that'd be pretty pretty big, right? Being able to play with something that you, you don't have access to. I know anytime uh, when I play the Pokemon video game competitively, you know, sometimes you lock yourself out of playing specific strategies or ideas just because you, you don't really know about them. You're uneducated. You just have no idea. But once you have the accessibility in order to kind of try out these cards, same thing goes for Magic the Gathering as well. You kind of fi- figure out and find out, oh, maybe this strategy or this card actually plays a little bit differently than I thought and might be something I want to be using in the future. So it's definitely going to open up a world of opportunity for folks. Great to see Splinterlands having an IRL in, uh, you know, in, in this day and age as, as well after COVID and all, all of that sort of stuff as well. Conventions have slowly been making their way back to the forefront of, of people's minds on, on their event schedules as they plan vacations and, and stuff like that. I hope that Zen Sports can be uh, be in present uh, at this event. I think that'd be really cool. Um, I, I definitely would get a kick out of uh, being at, at some event like this. I, I know it'd be a good time. Um, I don't know. I can't say for sure if Zen Sports will be there, but I, I hope that at least one of us can, maybe Jacob or something like that. We'll see. We will see. But uh, okay, Splinter, Splinterfest 2022. Got to be a lot of fun. Enjoy your trip. Be safe. Uh, and, you know, be smart. Do your own research, folks. Don't just buy into, uh, buy into anything. But uh, speaking of buying in, EMP.money is is truly an interesting, uh, I don't want to just call it a project. It's a community, and it's, it's a product that has really been proving itself. And um, more recently, they announced an official partnership and implementation of EMP into the Splinterlands ecosystem which is really big for people who are part of EMP. And right off the bat, Deuce, I know we do crypto giveaways every now and then with EMP tokens here at Sunsports. Are you a part of EMP separately at all? Uh, you know, have had you been a, been a part of what they've been doing? I know they have a vast ecosystem of different products and, and different things to either buy into, invest into, stake. Uh, are, are you a part of EMP whatsoever? Uh, I haven't won one of the tournaments yet, so I have not uh, I have not acquired any EMP yet. But you know, looking into the technology, I think it's really sound to be able to you know hold a coin that's pegged to ETH on the Binance Smart Chain uh, or you know the BNB chain, whatever they want to call it these days. Yeah, sure, so, sure, sure. <laughs> so uh, so I, I think that's great, and the fact that it's now you know, in a way kind of quasi backed up by Splinterlands product in addition to, you know, the ETH that's in the system, I, I think is just an added benefit to that community. And so, you know, right now I'm, I'm spread a little thin between the different uh, single cards, packs, and uh, the three different in-game currencies that are in Splinterland between sure. the vouchers, the dark energy crystals, the SPS, the Splinter Shards. You know, so I'm a little I'm a little tied up with the different investments that I got going on in the game. But I do think that if I, you know, wanted to park some stables, that uh EMP would be a great choice because uh the way that uh, I think the the buybacks work or the extra printing happens, you know, it doesn't stay hard on peg, but it's close enough to the peg that, you know, you don't have to worry about any of these, uh, you know, crazy death spirals people talking about. Sure. You know, I think that, uh, you know, the community very much looks out for the health of their product. So, you know, being able to arbitrage it one way or another definitely 
uh, is good for the community to keep the value pretty close to where it's supposed to be. So, uh, you know, I'm really glad that there's an added angle to, again, both, you know, use this community, use the assets in Splinterlands to both prop each other up, to mm-hmm. help each other out. And, uh, yeah, very interesting. You know, uh, the Splinterlands coins, SPS, DEC, they're also on the Binance Smart Chain. So, you know, or, uh, you know, BNB chain. So it it makes a lot of sense to also have these EMP tokens uh, kind of be part of that ecosystem. It's it's a good fit. And EMP's just been so influential in the past few months, especially in, in proving to themselves and to their community that they can stay at peg or above. And even if they dip, it takes a week, maybe a week and a half, and boom, they're right back at peg and uh, most of the time above. So it's been really great stuff. Go check them out, emp.money. Again, do your own research uh, before just buying into anything and everything. But EMP is a proven community. They're a sponsor of our podcast. We love them. Go check them out. Go check them out. Now, it's renting. Sponsoring the tournament too, right? I, know, they so, are uh, hive in the EMP. I'm like, oh my yeah. goodness, this is big. Yeah, they're, this they're, is big. they're sponsors, sponsors of Splinter Fest. They're sponsoring our 5K in, in October 1st. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for success. You know, they're going to be investing back into the community with sponsorships. I, I, I'm, I'm all for their success. Seriously. So go check them out, folks. Go check them out. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, you know, buying, uh, buying, renting, and then obviously you're tied up into some of the currencies inside of Splinterlands. How is it right now when it comes to renting cards and buying and, and ownership? Has it changed at all since we last talked and had you in the podcast? It like, you know, has renting gotten better or prices more expensive or just does it fluctuate with kind of the the economic market of, of crypto in general? You know, well, so, well, so um, the, the price of the cards, both the, the market price to buy and the market price to rent are really kind of tied into pack values sure. and the, uh, uh, I guess, estimated value, the EV of the rewards that you win. So uh, when the game made the switch from DEC rewards to SPS rewards, players saw like a pretty significant bump in, in the value of the rewards that they were receiving. So that in turn led to an increase in the individual asset prices as well as the, as the rental prices. And uh, one of the things that I think is so neat that's really exploded over the last couple months are some automated services that uh, will kind of rent the cards for you in a slightly more aggressive way than just kind of blanketing your cards at the lowest value on the market. Okay. And so what we're seeing is, uh, you know, some smarter algorithms getting into this rental market that allows uh, us card owners to get more than just the lowest rate. Instead of fighting for a race to the bottom, you know, these algorithms kind of settle around, you know, median price and, you know, they're able to price the cards a little bit better. So, you know, if people do come in and want to, you know, list at the floor, they can. But once those cards are swallowed up by demand, it, it does kind of revert closer to a, a median price point. So gotcha. I've certainly seen uh, quite a nice little tick up in uh, my rental my rental yield on a you know, week-to-week basis. 
And, you know, Splinter Lines also operates in seasons. So there's about two seasons every month, seasons, you know, between like 14 and 17 days, just yeah. kind of depending on how the weeks fall. And so each season has its own little cadence of when certain cards are more valuable and yeah. less valuable. So, you know, paying attention to some of those trends also allows you to maximize some of the value of, of your rental uh, card. So, you know, I've definitely been trying to do a better job of, of learning that ebb and flow, you know, with Magic the Gathering, it's really just, you know, when the cards rotate out of one format into the other, you kind of, you know, prepare for cards to leave one format and, and, and those sure. values drop off, the new cards, you know, get more expensive because they're used in some different ways. But that happens on a much uh, much tighter basis in these in these uh, seasonal rental windows. Or in the middle of the season, people are really renting to play. Towards the end of the season, people are are, are renting just to improve uh, the quality of their collection power to maybe you know get into a better league at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. there are definitely some uh, some really great trends and data out there if you want to. Uh, maximize value and and you know that's one of the great things that's so attractive about this game outside of just the competitive plays the the ecosystem has so much data available and the fact that it's on the blockchain means it's really available to all of us and so it's it's really a you know an equal playing field as far as what someone can do with the information that's available that's well said um and also pretty cool to be able to have all that information readily available to look at and study. Because if you really want to get into it, I think you could probably definitely maybe I, I, I'm don't, going to say profit here. Um, maybe profit if, if you look well well enough into the, I guess, the data and, and really analyze what's going on. And sure. I mean, there uh, are cards right now, you know, you're earning 30, 40, 50 percent ROA on, on the price of the asset. So, you know, there are some people who have scripts just written. They're looking at the cards that have the highest return for rentals. And they'll just keep buying that card. And you know, they find that they can, you know, pay off the value of the card in a matter of <laughs> weeks, you know, in, in two months. And so they're basically just building out their collection, and you know, and reinvesting that, that rental money. And so, um, yeah, they, you know, there's a great thing to do there. For me personally, I, I just like buying the sealed packs. You know, um, but knowing that the cards I don't use, I can turn around and, and recoup some of my investment is just that was such a game changer uh, compared to the, you know, the thousands of Magic the Gathering commons and uncommons sitting in my closet that, you know, are waiting for, you know, me to mix them up and, you know, donate to some school club so middle oh, schoolers yeah. can, you know, play with all, you know. A whole bunch of cards without sleeves and all that. I, but, I just uh, recently do- uh, donated about a thousand or more Pokemon cards to uh, yeah, a friend of mine's kid just to be like, here you go. You know, I'm not using these, um, you know, and the, you're probably going to get more mileage and use use out of them than me. Exactly. So, you know, but it, that's see, that's a really great point right there. Being it's able huge. to put those cards to work for you uh, to recoup part of your investment into getting a pack like that's that's pretty cool. I also think it's hilarious to be able to be a part of the community and like really do the research and find if there's like a specific card that's really doing well to, to then just buy up the supply of the said card to then rent out to the community. I mean, that's, that's pretty funny. I think that's kind of funny. It's, 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 it's really amazing. And I think it's, it's one of the great benefits of, of having a blockchain game and having these assets, these NFT assets that you own, 
is that you can rent them out. It, it, it's such a game changer that you don't have to just sell to earn on your assets. And so that, that's been incredible. And I think that's also really helpful for new players, you know, you know, that you can, you know, try before you buy, you know, I, that, that never happened to me when I was playing Magic the Gathering. Oh, you want to try this new nope. strategy to yeah. see if you like this deck? Like you couldn't really do that unless you had a, a really generous friend. Correct. But, you know, here in Splinter, you can be like, oh, you know, I could check to see if these three or four cards are really, you know, give me the combo and strategy I want to try. Is it worth, you know, making this splashy investment in a legendary card or, you know, leveling, leveling it up to max level? I mean, it's great. And the fact that, you know, the higher you go, the higher the league that you climb, you have to combine the cards so that they become more ca- more powerful. Yeah. So these cards, in essence, are really deflationary assets. You know, a lot of people are typically renting, you know, single cards because the biggest renters are, you know, groups of automated players who are just looking to fill out their accounts so that they can compete at the lowest leagues. But what I think has been happening over the past couple of months is now with higher rewards going to higher leagues, you're starting to see cards rent that are that that have been maxed out or have been you know raised to silver league max or a gold league max. So mm-hmm. you don't have to fall back just on renting these single cards. Now you can you know I can go rent 60 commons at a time to someone who wants the best silver league common. I can rent 220 commons at a time to someone who wants the best gold league common. And when I combine those cards, it pulls all those singles off the market because I'm combining them into a single asset. So the fact that these cards over time are deflationary is just another added benefit to this ecosystem. It's big. It's a big deal. And, you know, I uh, speaking on having specific assets available to you, I just got into Commander. Uh, I uh, had nice. not previously been into it, but, you know, uh, the store that I go to, the the owner's like, yeah, we don't allow proxies. So, uh, you know, and he made that a good point. Good. He goes, listen, I in order for my store to stay in place, I need I need money, right? And yeah. buying and selling of cards is one of the ways that that store owner does that. And so if the owner goes, listen, if I've got a $5 card in my case and someone comes in with a proxy for that one $5 card in their deck, but then let's it's a 100-card deck, right? So let's say you've got a whole – let's say you've got like 50 cards at $5 a piece, right, that that, that, that owner probably has in his case. And he's like, listen – I I get it. I get it. You know, people aren't made of money, but at the same time, I'm not made of money either. And my my brick and mortar store doesn't stay here if you're going to walk in and play with proxies during a you know casual commander night or whatever. And right. so I I see that there. And then at the on on the other side of things, you know, if someone doesn't have the money to drop five hundred dollars for a deck, like. Listen, I went, I went dropped, I built an Eldrazi deck, all colorless. So as you probably can think of, mm-hmm. uh, that is not the the least expensive deck that one one can go and build. I did yeah. not know that it was going to be that real estate man. That real oh, estate. Oh, sure. don't don't Ancient even get Coons, me started. City of traders. Oh, I paid so heavily for all of those. It's not even a joke at this point. And the funniest part was, I'll tell you this, and then we'll, we'll move on. I I asked the store owner, I'm looking for waste wastelands, and he's like, "Oh, good luck getting those. You know, you're not going to be able to get any of those because they were they were printed, you know, uh, in just a couple of sets." And I was like, 
I was like, okay, I get, and you know, if you go online, you can get them pretty easily. And, but I wanted something tangible. I myself, the one thing that kind of drives me crazy about having, you know, physical TCG product and stuff is that as a, as someone who wants to go and buy it right then and there, that's what I want to do. I don't want to order cards online, wait for it to come through the mail. And it's probably cheaper to do that, but it's just not the same experience. I'd like to support a local store. And so I've got a wonderful store in Massachusetts that I love going to. It's called Excelsior Comics and Games. And I walk in there and I talk with them. I go, do you guys have wastelands? And they're like, yeah, how many you need? I go, how many do you have? And they're like, oh, we have plenty. And I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking. What edition back to, do you want them from? Yeah, yeah, legit. And so I'm thinking back to the store owner who was like telling me like, good luck getting them. You'll never find them. And I'm like. Do you guys have 40? And they go, yep, here you go. You're a local. We know you. Uh, you're, you support us. So here you go. And they sold them to me for a fraction of what they could have actually sold them for to me. So I, I was just like, I was, I was taken aback. I was like, are, are you sure? Like I, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you know, we know you're building it for a deck and it's, you're not trying to resell these. I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, personally, I just, I just want them for this Eldrazi deck to put in there with some of the other, you know, fancy, fancy lands that I have as well. So yeah, no, it's, it's, but the thing is, is like if if I start building out this deck more, which I am, and I need to start trading out some of those cards, those cards just sit there. They don't yeah. they don't get to be rented. They don't get mm-hmm. to have you know have any return of any kind, other than the fact that when I want to sell them back to the store, the store will buy them at about fifty to sixty percent, depending on cash or store credit. Right. So you you know you know the way it goes. Um, I sure do. Yeah. Sure. Well, look. <laughs> I've been on the buying side, you know, I've certainly, you know, bought a bunch of collections back in the mid 2000s, you know, 40% cash in your hand, like, let's go, let me get all these old cards. And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I cleaned up, uh, you know, around the the crash 2009, 2010, really cleaned out, you know, I bought some collections when I was in Austin, when the game was really taking off. And so, you know, God bless some of those, some of those big collection <laughs> cash buys, you know, I look back and, and, uh, you know, I was able to fund, you know, large part of my Splinterlands collection just by selling two, uh, unlimited cards, two unlimited <laughs> magic, the gathering cards. That's so, hilarious. But, That's uh, hilarious. you know, the, the older the cards are, the less of that, uh, pay cut you have to take when you're, uh, when you're selling. And so you know, I was true. able to sell them for crypto. And so, you know, in selling them for crypto, I was then able to turn around to get my assets into Splinter and so much more easily. So, you know, it was crazy. That's how my uh, journey into crypto started back in 2013 when I was originally selling Magic the Gathering and, you know, buying, selling this and that. And I, you know, first acquired my, my first BTC, you know, from, from Magic the Gathering. And, you know, it kind of came full circle where I sold off a, a few cards, like you said, sitting in my closet, not doing anything, wasn't able to play a lot of paper over the pandemic and, uh, yep. you know, turn that into a, a pretty nice pile of Splinterlands assets that now I'm earning a, a steady return on. And look, and look at you now headed to an IRL event for Splinterlands in Vegas at the Luxor. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, That's pretty I'm big. a little sad about missing the magic event. You know, uh, magic is actually having their 30 year anniversary tournament also in Vegas is at the end of October. You know, the fact that they planned it over Halloween week, like I get it, you know, you know, 
lot of the Magic the Gathering fans will be dressing up, cosplaying this and that. But sure, you know, that's one of my favorite times to to go out and dress up and be home with my partner, with my friends. So, oh yeah, you know. So I was, you know, seeing that I was going to Splinter Fest, I had to go thumbs down on the the Magic Thirty Year tournament. There'll be the contest. forty and the fifty, and you know, there'll be more. That's, yeah, I mean, you know, the game the game has been really picking up. Uh, you know, I, I certainly don't pay nearly as close attention to it as as I used to. But uh, they are taking the trip back to Dominaria with this new set, which I think pre-released last Friday. So brand new set just hit the show. It just you know, feels like the other Dominaria set came it. out. That's what I don't believe. This is Dominaria United. And I, I, I started back in 2016 and okay. in like 2017, that's when Dominaria came out. Uh, around that around that time one of one of the best for me one of the best modern sets ever printed yeah un, un, unbelievable gameplay <laughs> the epic enchantments the, the planeswalkers the fact that richard garfield the person who designed and created the game uh, at the very beginning came back to oversee the production of that set you oh know, yeah it's they big. did a great job with that it's big um so uh so you decided who who's your Eldrazi uh commander then? Who who who's leading So I need to buy a Kozilek, uh okay. the Great Destroyer, I think, or uh sure. something something of that nature. Not the Butcher, Butcher of, of Truth, not, not, not that one. There's oh, another okay. one. There's another uh, one. Yeah, I'm not even familiar with the new ones. So yeah, there's another honest. there's another one. Yeah. Although right now I'm swapping between between the two uh Ulamogs, so I've got Ceaseless Hunger, and then I've got uh, Ulamog. Um, Infinite Gyre. Infinite Gyre, yes, thank you. Mm. And so I swap between those two. I find that, you know, I, I love playing the deck casually, but the, the store that I go to actually has some CEDH players. And for those of you Ooh. who are not familiar, CEDH is yeah. competitive EDH, which is basically another way to say it, competitive commander. And so these decks make use of cards that were printed basically near the start of Magic. And they're they're completely broken. The combos can pop off by turn two, uh, if not even turn one, depending on like how good they are with their first land or two. Um, it's, it's quite chaotic. You know, as... For me, like I, I've only played probably four or five total games IRL with Commander right now. That's that's all I've done. But as I'm playing more and more, you know these these competitive EDH decks that I play against, just like you get this feeling as a player that you're like, wow, I guess now I need to play a deck that that like rivals that. And so all of a sudden, like you're thinking, oh, I need to play control or aggro. And then all of a sudden you lose the very essence of why you started playing commander, which is to like truly represent like uh, a legendary creature of your calling and of your creativity. And so all the, you know, Eldrazi fun that I want to do kind of just like get stomped on. And as much as I want to sit there and smile through it, I can't help but feel the pain and torture of being mutilated by some of these cards that just do absolutely absurd combinations and 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 the weirdest rules that come into effect like my deck has ways to stop some of these like crazy things that were going on uh, commander uh battle that i had like last week but i had no idea how how to do the you know how to work for uh from the exile pile with i can't remember what the card was but basically that we're like you could have shut me down the entire game by doing this but you didn't so i won it and i go I'm brand new to this. Like, I don't know what you want yeah. me to do. I mean, you, know? you learn. I mean, that's well, you know, better he told you sometime than never, you know, for it, me, I, 
I'm with you. I I, I struggle with the uh, the casual play. I, I got to say, casual play was never really my thing. Um, I did build a commander deck, uh, and it's also like like yours. It's a, a tribal deck. It's uh, based around goblins. It's uh, both black and red, and uh, you know has some fun combos in it too. So it's definitely built with more of a CEDH slant that yeah. um, you know I can play one v one. But it's also a pretty decent you know, four-player game. And uh, like I said, it, you know, it can be used in tribal uh, commander settings as well. I, uh, I think I still have Wart, Bogart, Auntie as my, uh, as my general. Deuce, so, you know uh, what we should do? I'm just sitting here thinking, like, you and I should hop on, and we should have a weekly, a weekly commander podcast where you and I just go through different cards, talking I am about what not you know. The right person for a commander oh, podcast. See, I know nothing uh, about I'm, commander I'm so, myself. I'm so I'm so out of tune. I mean, look, I know the right people for you to talk to, but uh, <laughs> for commander, again, it's a little bit more casual. Oh yeah, uh, than well, I'm used to. When you want I mean, most be. of my attention is still on legacy and vintage. You know, the two formats that use. Uh, the oldest cards that you were talking about, you know, yeah. from the early nineties. Yeah, I'm not willing to cards. drop thousands of dollars to to do that. Yeah. But hey, be my that's guest, fair. my guy. Be my guest. You well, know, you know that's you know you you get in early. I paid you know <laughs> two digits for a lot of these cards, not oh, three or four. Gosh. So you know, two very, digits. Yeah, now it's like lucky. four or five. Yeah, yeah, four, no, if you, not more. Exactly, you're exactly right. Yeah, sold. Uh, like I said, sold a couple of four and five digit cards to. The fun Splinterland. So, oh my goodness! Well, you know, you know, it was it was nice to be able to take those profits. Deuce, as we get closer to wrapping up for today, I want to skip to a couple of last topics here. Splinterland's modern format. So they announced that they have released a new format. Let me know if I'm wrong on this information, but modern format is a like cards that are newer that will then be rotated out, you know, I assume with like newer pack releases or set releases, whatever they want to title them as. First of all, calling it modern just completely messes with me because of magic and and that sort of stuff. So, I think of I think of the newest like uh, you know, meta or uh, and stuff being known as like standard, you know, that that's right. That's the wording and verbiage that I'm used to, but maybe because Splinterlands is like, well, that's magic's terminology. We need it to be different. They call yeah. it modern, which yeah, we is, can't get sued. yeah, exactly. Although magic also calls it modern, but you know, whatever we're, or right. we're not going to talk about that. Magic um, modern is definitely a little bit different than Splinterlands modern, but the idea is the same, you know, to have a rotation. Yes. And again, the idea of splitting the formats really helps the newer players because by having a modern format and the way it's going to work in Splinterlands is the modern format kind of operates the way standard does for magic <laughs> is you basically get uh, the most recent two full sets. Okay. As well as uh, the small additional add-on set that goes with the full set right so so there'll be like a year-long full set and there'll be like a little standalone mini edition that goes with it so so to do that in splinterlands i thought was a great decision because you know a lot of these older cards when we talk about the alpha the beta and the original promo cards you know we're talking about people you know 2018 2019s you know the ogs who played this game have them but they are you know hard to buy they are much less supply of them so you know it certainly gave those older players more of a competitive advantage that you know they could have these exclusive 
older cards. So I, I think having that modern format is, is going to be great for new players. I think it's going to be great to have two different uh, levels of competition, two different sets of strategy where, you know, within each splinter element, you'll have different strategies that are viable in a different formats because you don't have the same card pool in modern as you do in wild. And while we haven't really had per se, I mean, I guess when they created modern, alpha and beta kind of rotated out. So we saw yeah. a little bit of that, but I'm actually uh, really excited to see what's going to happen with Splinterlands first real modern rotation, which probably for all intents and purposes won't be happening for another six to eight months, I think. So right now we're still, we're about two thirds of the way done selling through the most recent set called Chaos Legion. Yep. The Chaos Legion additional kind of mini set Rift Watchers actually was just spoiled uh, uh, some cards yesterday at the town hall. Oh, that's okay. going to be re that's going to be releasing in uh, I think a week's time. So we have like seven days until that's releasing. So that's going to be really big to include some new strategies and some new cards into the modern format as well. And so um, that new uh, Rift Watchers comes out in a week. So uh, the old modern sets, Untamed and Dice, they'll rotate out when the new big expansion, Rebellion, comes online. And I think that's slated for you know Q2 of 2023. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so definitely so, some time. But I, I think modern's great. I think it allows them to kind of compartmentalize some of the rewards a little bit better. And again, have them in place for newer players to have that level of competition. Also, you know, it helps for tournaments as well to have, you know, modern tournaments as well as wild tournaments. So, you know, more different formats means more different strategy, means more different avenues for competition. And so I think all those things ultimately help the game because with different formats, you have different cards that are more powerful. So, you know, more different strategies means more cards to chase, more more metagames to adjust to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And uh, finally, Zen Sports Hands and Emperors, a modern Splinterlands brawl by Zen Sports. So I, I got to bring it up, obviously, once again here. Number one, are you, are you going to be playing? Are you going to be competing? For sure. You know, I'm a, a Zen Sportsian NFT holder. I bought a couple during the pre-sale. And so that certainly affords me some really nice opportunities and utility within the Zen Sports ecosystem. And so... One of the things that I love having the opportunity to do by holding these NFTs is, uh, you know, get into uh, these exclusive, you know, high value competitions without having to pay the entry fee or having to worry about winning a qualifier tournament. And so, so yeah, so with, with, uh, with the NFT, I, I get the automatic entry and uh, look, I, I've probably, you know, between uh, I think five or six now high money, Oh yeah. events I've gotten into, I've basically paid the cost of, of buying these NFTs, you know? So, you know, one, I think, I think the art's really cool. The Zen sports scenes art oh, yeah. is really cool. So you haven't checked that out you can, you know, find the link for it through the Zen sports site or go to zensportsia.com. I believe you get some more information mm -hmm. there. Certainly Zen sports on Twitter will give you, uh, you know, all, all the links you need, but uh, the art's cool. The utility's great. And as, uh, the company Zen Sports is able to develop more of their wagering and esports 
wagering uh, on the platform, I, I just think it's going to give us more opportunities to utilize these NFTs in different ways. So, so yes, uh, I'll definitely be playing October 1st. I'm excited that it's uh, going to be a modern event. And, uh, you know, I look forward to battling alongside some of my fellow Zen sports scene holders. It's going to be a good time. I'm very excited. It's going to be a big tournament as well. I hope, uh, hoping we can max out at our 64 player cap. I mean, $5,000 in prizes, $2,500 in USDT, and then $2,500 in EMP tokens. That's nothing to scoff at, I don't think. You know, if I if I'm sitting here being like, well, I'm looking for, you know, if I'm looking to buy some more cards in uh, Splinterlands or maybe get into the EMP ecosystem a little bit more as well, for me, I'm all for it. I mean, that that's yeah. that's what I would be like, you know. I'll tell you, a 5K prize purse rivals the highest level events that you can even play on through the Splinterlands system, and those events are uh you know dependent on your high you know, your ability to stake large amounts of sps and oh, yeah. also the collection power of your of your deck i think that uh maybe i think there's like two or three different tournaments that pay out more than 3k in the splinterland system and you really need to be i think staking at least a thousand dollars of sps just to be able to join two of them and you need to have you know, a collection power of like 1.5 million cards uh, just to be able to enter the, you know, like the, the wealthy gambit, you know, their, their version of the 5k yeah. tournament. So, well, you know, it so makes sense. It makes to sense. To have those they... available to the general public for, you know, uh, either an entry fee or, or holding an NFT or winning a qualifier, I think is, uh, you know, a great benefit for the community. To, to see that uh, you know they can earn this value both in the game and that there are you know third-party companies willing to to sponsor a tournament and support the game like this uh, you you said it well enough i i don't have to repeat it well dude thank you so much for taking the time today to join us here on the esports forever podcast always a pleasure to have you on here uh, i i always enjoy our time and uh, sure. you know this is yeah, always a fun time and uh, thank you for your continued support in the community. And for all of you watching today, thank you so much for watching this video. Or if you're listening in on our Spotify and other broadcasting platforms, thanks for listening in. Be sure to follow us, subscribe, comment down below, like this video, that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, Deuce, any final words before you go? Looks like you're uh, holding up the Broncos shirt there. Well, let's go Broncos. I hope my Chelsea football club get their act together, find a real coach that uh, they can help them. And uh, I'm going to need all the luck in this tier three brawl. I looked at my, my nine opponents and I'm playing some of the best players in the game. You know, this guy Moriarty, Cyberblock. I mean, I'm looking at this list, uh, you know, Sonny wins, Michael B, Prince Kai. I mean, yeah, these names that I'm playing, like I said, I, I love the guild. I love the brawl, being able to play against some of the best competition this game has to offer. Uh, I, I'm really excited. And uh, like I said, in a week, we got a new set. So there's so much to look forward to uh, in, this week, in the Splinterlands game. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful you had me on to talk about it. Hey, thank you again, Deuce. And thank you to everyone watching. That's it for today. Until next time, we're out. See you then.